Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Data. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about financial inclusion. What an important topic this is. There are so many people in the world that don't have access to finances or financial literacy, and financial inclusion is what helps us bridge those gaps to make the world a better place for everybody. Very excited to sit down with Mike. I'll let him introduce himself. I am Mike Miyaka. I am the VP of Marketing here at Goral. And we had such a great conversation about this topic. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. What is financial inclusion? What what does that mean? Yeah, I mean, for, for this one, um, where do all the kids go for the answers these days? I thought we'd start by going to chat GPT. So financial inclusion means providing affordable and accessible financial services to individuals and communities that have typically been excluded from mainstream financial systems. The goal of financial inclusion is to build financial stability, increase income, and improve overall economic well-being. I, I love that. And and ChatGPT is is I, I feel like I use it all the time. What a what a great tool. I'm gonna ask though, Mike, can we put a bit of a human spin on this so uh, we've heard the chat gpt overview and that's a very nice description but uh, what does it mean to you what what is financial inclusion to mike and to coral yeah i I i think for me one of the things that really started to hit home on how important financial inclusion was was a story that i heard um not too long ago from a colleague and a friend of mine um and he was born into this family of of lower income and he tried starting his own business and uh, basically, the resources around him trying to start this business weren't overly helpful, provided some bad advice that led to his business getting really in debt, him personally getting really into debt, and ultimately uh, filing for, for bankruptcy. Um, now, this story does have a, a happy ending, fortunately. He's sort of used his experience um, and what he's learned about financial inclusion to now build out his own company on financial inclusion. Um, but the reality is for a lot of these people uh, that have been excluded by financial systems in the past, it can be a very sad story and, and it can lead to, um, you know, when you're deeply in debt, it is an all-encompassing thought and it's it's very difficult to try and get out of that hole. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a tough story, but, you know, there's a lot of lessons to be learned to your point. And um, you talked about how this uh, could, could could have helped your friend in this story, maybe if he had access to a bit more of this inclusion from the get-go. Uh, but who who does financial inclusion help? So, you know, you give us a really great overview of what it is, told us a, a nice story. Um, but who 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 does it help and, and you know, why? what can we do uh, for these for these typically underserved communities? Yeah. Um, so financial inclusion, it helps individuals, it helps communities. And these are... Um, people in communities that have often been excluded from the formal financial systems in the past. And there's various factors for why they might have been excluded, uh, whether that's income level, whether that's geographic location, gender, or even perhaps a lack of documentation. Um, we've put a couple examples here on the slide. So women, um, rural communities. So you know people are quick to think of India and, and other underdeveloped countries from around the world. But there's a lot of rural communities here in Canada or the U.S. that don't have access to the financial systems and structures that could help them thrive. Um, Low-income families, 
uh, as well as indigenous communities all could be good examples of, of areas we could improve to better do financial inclusion. And I, I, that's interesting that you, you touched on the rural the rural areas as well, and and that makes me think about you know more traditional uh, ways of banking and, and having to go to a branch, for example, and and a lot of places just not having access to that, and um, how you know even something that seems so simple to to me like having a, a smartphone, but how they could just open up a whole new world of opportunity for folks in in those types of areas when it comes to getting access to different. Uh, financial products or, or literacy programs? Yeah, it's, it's a good comment. So I guess what sticks out to me is as I've done more research into financial inclusion, it's become evident that, you know, we, we people tend to think of those third world nations, but really financial inclusion is a problem here in Canada. It's a problem in the States and having access to bank accounts is a very simple and easy way to um, start having more financial inclusion. But if you look at the US, for example, um, over 30 million people in the U.S. alone still are unbanked or underbanked, which means they don't either have a bank account or they don't use it to its full extent. Um, and so I think, you know, from, from a banking standpoint, just bringing on, on, on digital transactions can have a huge impact in terms of helping these people get onto a better path. That's, that's a staggering number, 30 million uh, in the U.S. That, I mean, that's, it's not far off from the population of Canada, of of folks that are being underserved in the, in that in that space. Like how many how many amazing entrepreneurs and and business uh, opportunities are are hiding in there? Right. Wow. That's hundred percent. That's a wow. Um. Okay. So how does how does it help? Like how do how can we use financial inclusion to uh to the points on this slide enable and empower uh, these these people. Yeah, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. That there's two words that I really love: enabling and empowering. So, enabling is is essentially making sure people have the tools, uh, the ability to manage and save their money through access to tools. Um, empowering on the other side is how do you build that skills and knowledge base around that? Help them make the right financial decisions. So, the two of them go obviously very close hand in hand. Um, we can't have one without the other, uh, but together, that's essentially the, the path forward in terms of how we can start to to really help financial inclusion. Yeah, and and this makes me think. Um, I know you mentioned it uh, briefly in a, a few slides ago, but uh, a piece around financial literacy. So I think about uh, the empowerment as an aspect of like, yeah, we can offer these types of products and services, and and kind of get over some of these barriers. Uh, but then that second part of it is is understanding how to how to use it. I mean, even for from my own personal experience, like growing up, you know, public school system, college university, like had finance courses and um, talked about finance quite a bit, but never really talked like very transactional, right? Never really talked about the education side of it of like how to utilize it, how to use it, what it means, how to leverage it, right? So that, that I don't know if you want to speak to something on the, on the side of that uh, financial literacy piece as well and how how important that is to this this puzzle. Yeah, financial literacy essentially is is the understanding of of you know financial know-how decisions um and so without that financial literacy piece people don't understand the steps that they need to take they don't understand what one decision could mean. So um, I think a, a really simple example of where 
financial literacy um, in, a, in a time where it could be lacking that could have a really negative effect is if you're someone that needs to borrow money um, by going to some of these cash lenders, you actually could be putting yourself into heavy de debt with rates that are completely um, not helpful, not friendly at all. And they're just going to build this bad cycle of, of going more and more into debt. Educating people on the, the terms, uh, what those mean, all go a long way in terms of having the financial literacy expertise to, to make the right decisions for them and their future. Yeah, I love that. So we have kind of two pieces to this. It's like the, the access and, and ability to utilize the right products and, and the right things to, to succeed. And then um, the education side around that as well. Uh, which, hey, personally, I'm like, hey, I wish I wish this was taught way more in in schools, you know. And maybe it is these days. It's been a long time since I've been in the classroom. Uh, not to not to date myself here, but um, yeah, super important important point. Okay, so what's we what's the role of technology in advancing financial inclusion? We've talked uh, a lot uh, already, Mike, about uh, what is financial inclusion. Who do we help uh, via financial inclusion? But uh, technology plays a huge role in this. So I'll pass it over to you to um, how that is enabling uh, this entire space. Yeah, so uh, definitely. Uh, I think one of the things that gets me most excited about tech and the fintech space that we're in is just the direct impact we're able to have on financial inclusion. Um, the, the way financial inclusion has you know, come about, there's obviously a number of different tools that already have started to exist and continue to develop and uh, come into market that can help to solve a lot of these problems. So something as simple as digital transactions, um, thinking back to the days of past where people had to carry cash 24-7, um, obviously there's security issues with that. There's um, a lack of of uh, urgency or time that you can have when you're doing everything by cash. Um, so uh, as well as the fees that could be associated with, you know, having to constantly go in and do things in person. So that's obviously the most prevalent um, and probably the most well-known. Um, but another example is something like a robo-advisor. So let's say you have a small portion of money that you want to look into investing or you don't know what to do with your money. Something as simple as setting up a survey um, about, you know, your, your spending habits or, um, your, your investing goals, um, putting that into a software that can then say, Hey, you know what, we recommend going more down this route versus down this route. Um, for example, if, if you're looking to, you know, you have $300 that you need to see a return on that. You don't want someone giving you the advice to say, Hey, throw that all into a risky cryptocurrency because, they're in, you know, very volatile. So simple things like creating surveys and understanding customers through robo-advisors will go a long way in terms of helping to point and educate people on different paths they can take. Crowdfunding is another example from the business standpoint, which is really interesting. Um, you know, essentially, uh, people would go to banks or, or venture capitalists in the past, but uh, there's a lot of really great companies out there uh, where you can post your business idea online and it gets funded from a number of different people. And so it's not trying to land one big check. It's trying to get a thousand people to find interest in your company. Um, 
and and support you personally, which I think is really exciting as well. And then there's lending. So there's there's we'll get more into kind of the micro loans side of things, but there's also this thing on a kind of a more personal and individual level called peer to peer lending, uh, where essentially it removes the middleman and it allows peers to lend to other peers, um, which is fantastic from the standpoint of those getting loaned to because they get access to it at a lower rate. But it also means the, you know, the, the money on the other side goes back into the community. It doesn't go to a giant corporation. It goes back to those that have supported you along the way. So a lot of really cool new ideas that are starting to come out. And honestly, I think we're still just scratching the surface here of what we can do. Yeah, that, that makes me think of, uh, you know, I've seen from that peer-to-peer uh, -peer or micro-lending um, scope, I've seen lots of groups pop up in, in cities where it might be a group of, you know, 20 individuals who have um, a bit of extra cash flow and, and they'll essentially just, you know, whether it's monthly or quarterly, have like a thousand or two thousand dollars, a fairly small amount from the uh, the business side of the things and and just kind of go out there and and uh, see different uh, presentations or pitches and just kind of provide some of the uh, some of that income or some of that money um to to these small entrepreneurs or smaller businesses that are trying to get to uh, get going so it's interesting that you brought that up because that i see that uh popping up on my you know linkedin feed or even in my own community um quite often these days yeah i think i think maybe one comment i would add on that you know sometimes where they do these these pitch competitions or um you know there's there's a set of money set aside but it only goes to one business i think the the intent of financial inclusion is is really around trying to trying to give as many people access to this as possible, and so um, that's where I bring up the idea of of micro lending and some of these other companies, which we'll talk about an example in, in a few slides as well, that are truly trying to help um, all versus just a select few. Yeah, that's uh, that's that uh, yeah that's a really good point right so broadening that uh, scope and helping as many as possible um very cool there's something uh, else that comes to mind as i'm just kind of looking at this slide and you know you, you talked about digital transactions and um that side of things but that makes me again i'm always thinking about these folks that are in rural areas that might not have access to um, we talked about branches, but maybe um, general services that businesses in, in more uh, or larger um, population centers might have. Um, is there something, uh, is there a way that this helps with, uh, you know, I'm just thinking about like supply chain, for example, even just uh, getting um, someone like a, a purulator or a UPS to come out and pick up um, some of their product if they're if they're makers and they have these widgets they need to get out there and just that ability to to do some of the stuff um, without having to make a big haul trip into a into a city or into a branch. Yeah, actually, kind of two thoughts come to mind um, with that question. So one, yeah, in terms of if you're um, a small artisan and you are in a rural area, definitely having more of these digital capabilities is going to help you compete with some of the bigger players and be aware of what else is out there and uh, the ability for you to tell your story, which goes a, a long, long way. Um, I think it's all—it's easy to forget too, just how big of an impact there there that can be made. So. One of the countries that has been a leader in the space is uh, in financial inclusion is actually in India. And 
what they did was they opened up free bank accounts for, for anyone in the country. Um, and the results were actually really staggering and really impressive. Um, in 2015, they had 12.5 million bank accounts. And by 2022, that number had grown like almost four times to like 47.6 million <laughs> bank accounts. Um, and the same thing happened with debit cards. Um, it went from 11.1 .1 million in 2015 to over 32 million in, in 2022. Um, and it's all empowered by just something as simple as giving people access to a bank account without having to worry about um, major fees or minimum balances and, and um, heavy costs associated with it. Um, so there's a huge opportunity for when you talk about either rural areas or businesses that haven't adapted technology. Um, there's a huge opportunity to really help some of these people that have might have started to get into um, a, a difficult cycle to break free and, and even start to thrive uh, in a big way. Yeah, that's awesome. That's again, these are some huge numbers, uh, and and it's it's amazing to to hear it happening for uh, this financial inclusion sector. So yeah, it's super that's super exciting. Um, a story about coral. So we uh, I'm going to pass it over back to you, Mike, to uh, talk a little bit about uh, coral and and some uh, a story to kind of bring all of the this awesome information we, you've been talking about to uh, a kind of practical real world uh, experience here. Um, and, uh, you know, Coral and, and Rails, we work very closely together on, on many things. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you tell the story and, and kind of bring it all full circle for us here. Yeah. So back in 2016, Coral uh, started as a loan provider for small to medium sized tech companies. So we would write checks for businesses between 200000 and $2 million. Um, the nature of, of our industry and our field is that we're often looking at companies that have been told no by banks or business loan providers. Um, and so uh, what would happen is we would start talking to these companies and we found a lot of them didn't truly understand the financial health of their business, what the level of risk was, you know, whether they would qualify for a loan, um, whether they were asking way too much. Um, I think one of the key things here for us was, you know, as, as a loan provider, we want to win when these businesses win. Um, we want to see them succeed. And so we don't want to set them up for failure with a loan that they're never going to be able to fully pay off or it's going to have a detrimental effect on their business. So that means a lot of grunt work for, you know, our, our analysts as uh, when they're looking at these different loans. And um, with such a need for funding, it was starting to really pile up like it, it wouldn't be uncommon to have a hundred loans to want to look at and the result is when you have a hundred loans you you know you start to accidentally or subconsciously um, start to look for shortcuts and you don't understand the businesses as well um, and you start to introduce lender bias so mm -hmm. we actually worked very closely with the, the team at rails to build out a software that would let us uh, basically intake the loans uh, digitally, use data, so use Rails' as API capabilities to normalize the data, understand that data, and then we built on top of that a scorecard metric that would help ensure that no business was getting um, overlooked. And you know, instead of doing months of grunt work on each business, we're able to take that time down to just minutes. And with that, we're able to remove that lender bias. We're making sure every business gets uh, a fair look. 
And what's really exciting and, you know, a hope we had, but it's nice to see the proof point behind it is um, at Coral, we have funded 3x more female and minority-led businesses than the average venture capitalist. And that's a number that we're really excited about. Um, and I still think it, it tells a great story around using data uh, and trying to find other businesses and other opportunities that have the ability to, to do exceptionally well with the right um, financial health understanding around them and, and uh, building their business that way. Yeah, that's huge. That is that's that's a huge number. Um, definitely something to celebrate, and and uh, I'll give a little little clap for that. And hopefully, folks watching are, are clapping alongside as well. Um, two two great points in there. You know, you mentioned uh, two things. You know, saving a bunch of time, which is which is huge. As you mentioned, having um, you know a lot of um, um, interest or a lot of uh, you know people wanting to come for these types of uh, loans and just being able to like save the time and normalize that data and also removing that bias you know it's it's such a huge and important piece um, you know I think I think about uh, recently I've, I've when I was uh, doing some reading and, and research for this webinar it, it came up many times that you know kind of your zip code or your postal code where you're born kind of really dictates uh, your potential financial health and like man, how unfair is that um, but then even just what you mentioned here, it's like, well, you know, we can, we can use data and normalize, normalize that and, and really remove some of that bias to give people that deserve it a, a fair, a fair shot here. Absolutely. No, it's a, it's a great point and, and definitely a huge uh, point of pride for us to be able to look at all the data and, and making sure that we're building a scorecard that really um, is fair to all businesses. No, I love that. That's uh, that's that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, okay, now let's talk a little bit about how financial inclusion. Okay, how can it drive economic growth? Right. So we've talked a, a lot about what it is, what it looks like, some really nice stories, some very uh, great success stories. Uh, but you know, what does it what does it mean for the bottom line? How can how can we do financial inclusion, but but you know, still drive still drive the business forward and still move the needle. Yeah, it's a great question uh, for sure. Um, so I, I've kind of broken it into three different buckets here. And um, I think across the, the various three buckets, it's important to understand that um, great businesses that are going to operate in this space are going to win when the people that they're trying to help win. Um, and so when you, for example, are empowering people to have that entrepreneurial spirit and start their own business, you're going to see um, job opportunities start to come up and you're going to see that economic development start to, to really play uh, a bigger role. Um, two, there's this idea of managing risk and, and debt. And so I, I know growing up, this is a kind of a weird thing to say, but growing up, you'd watch these beauty pageants and then they would be like, oh, I want world peace and I, I don't want there to be any poverty in the world. And they were the, just these giant statements that were not tangible and in any way. The reality is through the use of technology and education, you know, we can't completely eliminate, um, you know, tons of debt or, or completely eliminate poverty, but we can make an impact, um, which is going to have a huge impact on, on, on the economic development and economic growth. And the third thing, which we touched on a little bit before, is this idea of financial literacy and empowerment. Um, if we can give people the right tools, if we can empower them and we, and we get, uh, can enable them to, to learn more about the decisions they're going to make, 
that's more money that's going to come their way. They're going to have a higher income. They're going to be able to thrive more within the economy uh, and bring that money back to the to the economy as well. So um, three, you know, different angles at it, but all having that same economic growth impact. Yeah, that's that's uh, those are really good points there, and and I think you 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 nailed it with just the the overall looking at like yeah we can we can manage our risk and and debt and with through financial literacy and to your point entrepreneurial potential all these things come together to uh, create a pretty a pretty solid uh, business plan and 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 one that can very be very profitable for everyone as well right exactly a resource worth checking out okay so this is when we were prepping for for a webinar and chatting back and forth the last couple of weeks uh, mm -hmm. uh delia uh, came up and and this was this was a great this was a great story as well and 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 something that uh i i was super excited to read about and, and i'm gonna throw it over to you to, to give us some more information on, on what this is and uh, some of the success that uh that you've seen here absolutely yeah, thanks for thanks for letting me include this in uh, the webinar today. This is a partner of ours at Coral that we are just really excited to partner with. I mean, they're amazing people, but they're doing just an, an awesome initiative as well. So the initiative is called Delia, and it's put on by a company called uh, Northumberland Community Futures. And it's run through a partnership with the government of Canada. And what Delia is, is a fintech-driven microloan platform. Essentially, it works on providing women-owned enterprises across Canada with access to capital for their businesses. Um, so we've been working with them now for a, for a few different years. Um, and over that time, we've uh, we provided the technology to help them fund more than 150 microloans at approximately... 15,000 per loan. Um, because of they're able to leverage the technology, um, we're seeing that this location has been able to outperform other similar targeted programs um, or, or other offices. And that's also helped the government further take note of, of the impact that they've been able to have. And so um, they're really a leader with the government of Canada and they've had the opportunity to increase their funding to do an even larger initiative here um, because of the su success of the program. Um, and it's it's not only amazing seeing um, the the number of loans going out, but what's what's also really exciting is is hearing about some of the success that's come because of those micro loans as well. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. Um, and that that makes me think of um, a question. I know we've when we were going through this, it, it came to mind for me as well. Um, but just the government and and the role that the government plays in in um, financial inclusion as well, um, whether it be through uh, policies or um, you know like stimulus bills, et cetera. But I mean that, that that's a pretty big piece of the puzzle for us as well, right? And trying to promote and drive drive this uh, this forward. Yeah, the the reality is um, there's no bigger contributor or no bigger obstacle, uh, depending on which way you look at it, uh, than than the government. The government has the ability to knock down a ton of barriers and provide access to a number of these different pieces. Um, um, even in terms of getting technologies set up or something like open banking, which doesn't yet uh, have the approval here yet in Canada, it's it plays a major role in terms of how fast we can get this technology out there and how fast we can start to help others. 
Um, there's a lot of great initiatives in play. For example, Delia is one that I keep coming back to as, as being fantastic. But you know, in Canada and the US, we have not progressed uh, nearly as far as some of the other countries in terms of government intervention and government help, um, like the example in India that we we talked about. Mike, was there any anything else that uh, we want to touch on, or uh, that we we might have uh, might have come to mind as we were going through the presentation? No, I, I you know I think I think from um, a way forward, it's obviously going to be important to get that government. Uh, um, impact that government inclusion that government wave like a, approval to to move forward i think it comes down to empowering i think it comes down to helping people understand financial literacy more um and i think we just need to be be ready to to break with the the old way of of doing things and something as simple as giving people free bank accounts um is is not a huge ask but it can have a huge impact in the end yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, something, yeah, it's, it's 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 so funny that something that might seem so so small can actually be a massive driver. Definitely. Yeah. Well, listen, Mike, this has been a an awesome conversation. I I just wanted to thank you for joining us here on Beyond the Data, and hope we get to chat again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate it. I hope you learned as much as I did again in yet another packed episode of Beyond the Data and on such an important, important issue that impacts all of us all over the world. If you want to learn more about this, head over to rails.ai and we'll see you in the next episode.